Well, hi, Emmanuel Faith. Thanks for joining us for Church Online. We're so grateful that you've chosen to spend some time with us. And our prayer has been that you would be encouraged and strengthened. And so um, if you're unfamiliar with Church Online, you can um, use that heart button to engage. You can write in the chat bar and people will respond to you. And it's our way of sort of being together when we can't be together. So my hope is that you're encouraged by our time today. As we get ready to worship, I wanna read our call to worship that comes out of Psalm 46. And this is a Psalm that's been encouraging me this week. And, and my hope is that it would do the same for you. Listen to the Psalmist as he writes, he says this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Like right now, present. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. And in verse 10, the psalmist writes, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Would you pray with me as we begin our time of worshiping Jesus together? So Father, we just want to pause right now uh, wherever we are, whether we're worshiping in a, in a living room or um, watching in front of a computer, uh, Lord, we just want to pause and remember that right now you're God, that you hold everything together, that the entire universe is in the palm of your hands, that you're our fortress, that you are with us, and that you are a present help in time of trouble. And so Jesus, today we run to you. Would you receive all of our worship and all of our praise because only you deserve it. It's in your name that we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. To all our EFCC families at home, join us in singing this song of assurance. When darkness tries to roll over my bones When sorrow comes to steal the joy I own When brokenness and pain is all I know I won't be shaken Oh, I won't be shaken My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Shame no longer has a place to hide. I am not a captive to the lies I'm not afraid to leave my past behind No, I won't be shaken No, I won't be shaken My fear doesn't stand the chance when I Stand a chance when I stand in your love. 
I've carried a burden for too long on my own. I wasn't created to bear it alone. I hear your invitation to let it all go. I see it now, I'm laying it down, and I know that I need you. I run to the Father, I fall into grace, I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend, so I'll run to the Father again and again. Son for redemption, the price for my heart. I don't have a context for that kind of love. I don't understand. Long 
Hello, Emmanuel Faith. Welcome to Church Online. My name is Daniel, and I'm the production director on staff. I'd like to remind you that our church campus is closed at this time, but that you can connect with us by using this chat feature or head over to our social media on Facebook or Instagram. The links are in that link section. We know that this time may be economically difficult for some of you. So if you need assistance, please feel free to go to our website and fill out the form that we have available for you. Also, if you're able to volunteer, we have a form for that as well. We as the church do still rely on your generous donations. So please feel free to give by clicking on the tab above or by sending a check to the church office. So as we give together today, let me invite you to open your Bibles to Numbers chapter 11, where we'll be joining Pastor Ryan in the scriptures. Let me invite you to pray with me. Lord, we thank you for for today that we're able to worship together as a church, even if we're scattered together throughout um, all of our different homes. Um, Lord, prepare our hearts for what you would have us to receive today uh, from your word. Um, We love you, and we pray this all in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hi, Emmanuel Faith. Here we are, week three of Church Online and uh, COVID virus, all of the quarantine and stay-at-home mandates that go along with that. Um, But I'm really excited about the passage of scripture we're gonna dive into today. I believe that God has a word for us together as a community, even though we can't be together, that he would knit our hearts together in this season. I don't know if you've noticed this in your life, but I've certainly noticed it in mine that there are certain moments of life that that carry um, a a gravitas to them, that they have a, a certain weightiness to them. They even become moments where we measure time by them, like before and after. Let me give you a few examples. Um, We measure time before and after 9-11. Like things were different before than they were after, right? Boarding an airplane was a lot different after 9-11, wasn't it? Um, uh, The 2008 housing crisis. Things were just different after 2008. Um, We could go back in history and see a number of events that changed the course of time, but they become these uh, before and after events that carry a certain amount of of gravitas to them. We, We have these events in our own personal lives as well. I mean, it might be before or after graduation or before and after getting married before and after getting divorced, before and after having kids. Uh, These moments in life that we mark time by. I'd like to suggest to you that our current cultural moment will be one of those moments. I think eventually we'll look back on this time period that we're in right now, the COVID-19 virus scare time period. And it will be one of those moments that we measure time by. It's in these moments, we we might call that liminal space or wilderness experiences where we're in between, that we start to question, God, how are you gonna feed me? And God, how are you gonna come through for me? I mean, our ego is stripped down. We're forced to let go of control. Our routine is all messed up. Can I get an amen? And we start to ask ourselves, if you're anything like me, at least I start to ask myself this question, God, how are you going to sustain? And maybe even if I'm bold enough, grow me during this season of liminal space of wilderness wandering. I think it's helpful to think about it. Maybe like one of those magic eye books. I don't know if you remember those that were popular a few decades ago. They were full of audio, auto stereograms, which is a two-dimensional picture that if you look at a certain way, it pops out a three-dimensional picture. And I think that's the season that we find ourselves in. That God's asking us to look at our current circumstances and to maybe look at them a little bit different view them a little bit deeper. And if we do, I think he's gonna show us provision and sustenance and blessing and goodness where we just didn't expect to find it. And as I've been thinking about that over the last few days, there's an experience that the nation of Israel had that I think speaks to our current moment. So if you have your Bible, will you turn with me to Numbers chapter 11? It's a... um, passage of scripture where we're invited into the story of the nation of Israel. As you're turning there in your Bible, let me give you a little bit of context. You see, the nation of Israel is the family of a man by the name of Abraham. 
You might know the song. Kids, if you know it, sing along. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. All right, song time with Ryan is over. But yeah, Abraham had many sons and he had many descendants. And God had a promise to him. I'm going to use, Abraham, I'm going to use you to bless all of the nations. But there was a problem. See, because Abraham, his descendants, got put into slavery in Egypt. And so there's this question, God, how are you going to come through for Abraham and all of his descendants and bless the nations through them when they're in slavery? And their cry rises up to God and God frees them out of slavery. If you've seen the movie, The Ten Commandments, this is where you cue the picture of Charlton Heston leading the Israelites through the Red Sea on dry ground. Praise God. And then they get to the other side of the Red Sea and they're a group of ah, roughly 600,000 slaves who find themselves not in the lush green fields of Egypt anymore, but in the dry and arid desert. They're in liminal space. They aren't where they were, Egypt, and they aren't yet where they're going, the promised land. They're sort of in this in-between season. They're where we find ourselves, I think, today. And God has a unique way of providing for them. He has a unique way of feeding them because um, the Israelites start to draw on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Um, God, uh, what are you gonna do to feed us? And hold your place in Numbers chapter 11 while I read a passage of scripture that's found in Exodus chapter 16. And here's what the author of Exodus says, because their question is, God, how are you going to feed us? In Exodus chapter 16, here's what it says. It sets the stage for our time today. It says this starting in verse three, the Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But God, you have brought us here to the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. And the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them to see whether they will follow my instructions. See, God's growing them and testing them and stretching them in this liminal space. On the sixth day, they're to prepare what they bring in. That day is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. Verse 15, jump down there. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? They name it manna, which means what is it? It's a great question. What is it? Verse 31. And the people of Israel called the bread manna. It was like a white coriander seed and it tasted like wafers made with honey. Yeah, it was this, what is it type of substance, this unidentifiable food. They didn't know where it came from or where it was gonna go and what to do with it originally. And yet (coughs) it was the way that God brought them through. Manna wasn't what they hoped for, but manna was exactly what God used. See, in verse 35, it says the Israelites ate manna for 40 years until they came to a land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. See, manna is this food for liminal space. It's the way that God feeds us in that in-between time when the methods that we had don't work anymore and the methods that we're gonna develop aren't developed yet. As you can imagine, I mean, eating the same food every single day for 40 years might get a little bit old. And so the nation of Israel, they start to respond to God and saying, listen, in this liminal space, we're not sure if we like manna. We're not sure if we wanna continue to eat manna. Now, just as a quick timeout, we all will find ourselves in liminal space. If you don't think you're there right now, immediately in this moment, I want to assure you that you either have been there or you will be there again. I mean, liminal space might be losing a job. It might be the death of a loved one. It might be a graduation. 
It's one of those moments where things are different before and after. And so the nation of Israel is being fed. If my math is right, when we pick up the story in Numbers chapter 11, they've been wandering around in the desert for two years, eating manna. Now, some of us don't even like eating leftovers the day after we eat them, okay? So two years, the exact same food. And listen to what they say in Numbers chapter 11. If you have your Bible open to Numbers 11, look at verse six with me. Here's what they say back to God. Now our strength is dried up and there's nothing but all this manna to look at. And just to make sure we're all together on this, the manna was a miracle. The manna appeared out of nowhere every single evening. And in the morning they went out and collected it. They are complaining about a miracle. They start to resent a miracle. And what we see is that this liminal space is fertile ground. It doesn't seem like it. The wilderness doesn't seem like things should grow there. The desert doesn't seem like things should grow there, but it's fertile ground for things to grow in your soul and in mine. Things that we don't necessarily love and that we wouldn't grow and cultivate on our own if we had our choice. See, here's my conviction. My conviction is that even though that starts to stir up in our soul, this is a season that God wants to meet us in. And it's a season he wants to feed us in. And it might be in new and fresh ways, in ways that we didn't expect, in ways that we might not even have wanted, but it will be a gift from God. And so you might want to write this down if you're taking notes. Faith. Confidence in God, faith frees us to receive as a blessing what might originally feel like a burden. Faith frees us to receive as a blessing, manna, what originally might have felt like a burden. And see, as we walk through this story together, there's a number of things that the Israelites start to do that you might start to notice in your own soul too, in this liminal space, in this in-between season, This starts to creep up in us. At least I've seen them start to creep up in me. And there's going to be this invitation over and over and over again. Trust in the Lord. See, here's what I've noticed in my life, and you might notice in yours too, is that God's consistency often erodes my ability to receive what he's giving as a blessing. He's just so consistently good. I mean, think about it. Just take a deep breath right now. It's grace. It's mercy. It's it's all grace. So what if, what if the season that we're in is actually blessing rather than a burden? And I know I'm not saying that God caused the coronavirus. I'm not saying that God's behind that. Please don't mishear me. What I am saying is that God wants to meet us in this moment and feed us in this moment. And maybe one of the ways he's feeding us is by causing us to slow down. The very thing that we want to fast forward through and that we want to get over with is the very invitation. maybe Maybe it's manna. I mean, what is it? An empty calendar. What is it? Nothing to do at night. What is it? No kids programs. What is it? Time to walk around the neighborhood. What is it? Time to call a friend or a family member. It's, it's manna. It's God's sustenance. And see, here's the deal. Here's what I'm being reminded of is that I don't get to choose which gifts God gives me. I don't get to choose how God provides for me. I just get to choose whether or not I will receive it. That's my choice. But God will decide what he gives. You know, I've been really thinking about this because there's moments in this passage where the Israelites complain about God's provision. And then there's moments where Moses sort of complains to God. If you read through the rest of it, you'll see this. And I started to ask myself the question, what's the difference between complaining and voicing my honest pain to God? 
Because the very last thing that I want you to walk away with today is feeling like you have to bury all of your emotion and bury all your pain and bury all of your doubt because we can't complain. Now see, there's a difference between complaining about what God provides and then taking our honest pain to God. It's a huge difference. And so God constantly invites people Bring your pain to me. I mean, listen to the psalmist in Psalm 55. But I call to God, he writes in verse 17, and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and I moan and he hears my voice. He says, I bring it directly to God. I cast my burdens on him because he cares for me. And so what if, Complain, instead of complaining to others, what if we started praying to God? And what if instead of complaining, we started to turn what the things we normally would complain about and we just said, God, I'm going to choose in this moment to praise instead. See, I love Paul in Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Listen to what he writes. He says, Do all things without grumbling or complaining, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as stars in the world. See, if you want to shine, learn how to live a life where you don't complain to others, but where you bring your honest pain to God, and then turn what you normally would complain about into praise. I love Habakkuk chapter three, verse 18. He lists all these things that are going wrong in his life. And then he lists this declaration. Yet, he says, yet I will praise. I will yet rejoice. What if he did that this week? And so as we've seen, one of the things that can start to grow in this liminal space, in this land between, if you will, where we're not yet where uh, we're going and we aren't where we left is complaining. God, we don't like our situation. And we said that we meet that with praise. But another thing that can start to grow in our heart and soul is identified in verse four. Will you read there with me? Numbers chapter 11, verse four. Now the rabble that was among them, and the rabble is is a group of people that are traveling with the Israelites that are foreigners. And so they're people that are sort of on the periphery of the community. The rabble that was among them had a strong craving. And the people of Israel also wept and said, oh, that we had meat to eat. And I think we almost need to read this in a whiny voice. Um, Parents, you've heard this voice. If your kids don't like what you're making for dinner, oh, that we had meat to eat. And they're just complaining, but they're complaining because of their craving. And that's the second way that we can mistake the, the blessing and make it a burden, that we can miss the miracle that's happening in our midst is we crave something that for whatever reason, God isn't offering us in the time period that we want him to. That word craving could easily be translated as as lust. And typically we think of lust as a a sexual thing. And indeed it is is that. Um, In fact, during this um, COVID-19 stay-at-home mandate, Uh, pornography websites report an 11.9% increase in traffic. And so certainly our our lust and our cravings are being stirred by this moment in time. But really a lust or a craving is any desire that we try to meet outside of God's provision for us. And usually those cravings or those lusts, they dance around in our head and they do so with a promise. If you feed me, you'll be content. If you get something other than manna, then you'll be happy. If you have quail tonight for dinner instead of the manna, then you'll be good. If you look at this image on the internet, then you'll be okay. If you were to have that car or the new iPhone or the new Apple Watch or you fill in the blank, right? I mean, marketers prey on our cravings. They prey on our lusts. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. A craving or a lust always makes a promise that it can't deliver on. 
if you had this or that, the newer, the shinier, then you'd be happy. It's just an absolute lie. And see, here's the thing. You were designed to desire. You were designed to crave, but you were designed to have those cravings met in God's provision for you. And I love the way that C.S. Lewis puts it in one of his most famous quotes in The Weight of Glory. Here's what he says. He says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us like children, like ignorant children who want to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. I think he's right that our desires and our cravings were meant to be taken to God. But when we don't do that, they start to breed this latent bitterness that can reside in our soul. But what if what's best for you isn't to get exactly what you want when you want it? What if God's best for you is to make you wait? It is to allow you and cause you to follow him in the midst of the fog, in the midst of the liminal space, in the midst of the in-between. What if it's best that you receive manna instead of what you would really want if you are making the decisions? See, the apostle Paul once again writes to the church at Philippi and he gives some instruction around this. In chapter four, verses 11 through 13, here's what he writes. He says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned, I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Did you know that that's God's design and desire for you in this season when we're on stay-at-home mandate and we're in the fog and we don't know what tomorrow is going to hold? His design for you is to learn how to be content. I know, he writes, verse 12, how to be brought low and how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. See, Paul had to learn it. It didn't come automatically. He had to learn to take his cravings to God and ask God to make him content in the midst of his craving. What if you did the same thing? What if all the things that this season is stirring up in your soul and all the cravings and desires you have, what if instead of acting on them, you brought them before God and you prayed a simple prayer, God, help me be content. See, contentment is far more about confidence in God than it is about our current circumstances. In fact, you may want to jot that down, that contentment is more about confidence in God than it is about celebration of our circumstances. So instead of craving this week, what if you practiced contentment? Because craving is in direct contrast to contentment. What if you just repeated this phrase throughout this week when there were things that you wanted that you don't have, whether it's to go out and live your normal life or to see things on the calendar again or to be able to get together with friends, What if you just repeated this phrase in your mind throughout this coming week? Jesus, you are my good shepherd. And if you don't provide it right now, I must not need it right now. Just repeat that and trust that God will turn your craving into contentment. So so we've seen that two ways we can miss the miracle or that the blessing actually becomes a burden is in our complaining and in our craving. And then there's one other thing that Numbers chapter 11 draws out for us. Right after the Israelites say, oh, that we had meat to eat in verse five, here's what they say. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up and there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. I mean, can we all agree that 
This is revisionist history, at least. I mean, sure, you had meat to eat, and um, they're, they're fantasizing about these cucumbers and these onions and these melons, but they were also in slavery. Right? I mean, they, they were also having to make bricks without straw. They also didn't get any days off. And so they, they start to, in light of their current circumstances, they reimagine their past and they look at it through rose-colored glasses. But here's what they're doing. And, and I would invite you to write this down. This is the third way that the blessing can actually become a burden or that we can miss the miracle is if we start comparing. We start comparing that we look at our present circumstances and we view them in light of our past circumstances and we start to miss God's provision. I've experienced this in my own life even recently. You know, some of you know that my family and I have, you know, last summer made a transition from Colorado to California. And in many ways, it was a tough transition for us. I mean, picking up our life and changing everything was a challenge to say the least. And I started to view my past circumstances and through rose-colored glasses, and I started to compare now versus then. And I sense an invitation in this passage of Scripture, and, and it, it may be present for you too, that when we start to view our present in light of our past, we miss God's provision. We miss His grace. We miss the grace of the moment that's enough to get us through. It may not be as much as we had back then, or we may not have the exact same things that we had back then, but it is enough to get us through. One of the interesting things about manna is not only that it was called, that it, it name means what is it, but that there were, they were only given enough for the day. And I think that's true for our season right now, that oftentimes we just have enough to, to get through the, the day, uh, enough energy, <laughs> maybe even enough hope and enough peace and enough joy. Uh, we have enough to get through the day, but we don't have enough right now to, to stockpile and we don't have enough to, to hoard. And I think there's an invitation from Jesus to trust him at a deeper level. See, because isn't it true, isn't it true that if we start to view our present in light of our past, we miss God's provision. I had this um, Facebook memory pop up this week, and it was a memory of uh, last year this time where Kelly and I were on a vacation in Costa Rica. It was just the two of us on the beautiful deserted beaches of Costa Rica, and it was awesome. And I can tell you, it's very different than being on a stay-at-home mandate with all of our kids and trying to school them all, right? I mean, that's a very different experience. God's grace then looked different than it does now. I think one of the best ways to fight against comparing is to actively be grateful, to practice gratitude. We talked about this a little bit last week, but I'm going to keep coming back to it because I sense that it's a theme for our community of faith. And maybe this week you begin your morning in prayer. You begin your morning in silence. You begin your morning in quiet. And then just make a list of three things that you're grateful for. If you do that, actually, would you mind posting on, if you post on social media and you do things, take a picture of those things and, and will you hashtag it EFCC gratitude? We'd love to just see what God does in our community and how he stirs up gratitude. But I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that you will find whatever you are looking for. That if you look for things to be discontent about, you'll find those. If you look for things that are different than they used to be, you'll find those. I mean, after all, we're in the land between. We're in liminal space. Things are different and things are changing. So you'll find things you don't like. But if you look for them, you will also find ways that God is blessing. That God is blessing in unexpected ways maybe in ways you didn't hope for and maybe in ways you wouldn't choose and maybe in ways that you really don't even want, but he is blessing you. I love this uh, commentator, Matthew Henry, old commentator, and he was mugged one day and he, this, listen to what he wrote in his journal. He says this, God, I thank you that I have never been robbed before. 
I thank you that though they took my wallet, they didn't take my life. I thank you that though they took it all, it wasn't very much. And I thank you that I was the one who was robbed and not the one robbing. You can find whatever you are looking for. And I'm convinced that even in a season of liminal space where we're in between sort of two parts of our story as a community, when we're in transition that we didn't choose and disoriented and in the fog, you can find things in your life to be grateful for. God is blessing you. The question is not, is God blessing? The question is, do you have eyes to see it? And one of the best ways to miss it is in comparing this season to a past one. So here's the deal. The everyday blessings in your life that you're getting right now from God might look like manna. They might look like something you didn't expect. And we have a tendency to complain and to crave something else and even to compare. You know, this season doesn't look like last season did and my calendar's empty and my kids are home or all the different ways that your life is different today. But what if you saw those things through the lens of faith? You might see them as God's provision rather than an inconvenience. See, the story continues. I'm picking it up in Numbers chapter 11, verse 10. And it says this, Moses heard the people weeping throughout their clans, everyone at the door of his tent. I like that. They're practicing social distancing, even back then. They're all at their own tents. They're not together, okay? And the anger of the Lord blazed hotly, and Moses was displeased. See, the word starts to spread amongst the people. It starts with this group of um, the, the rabble group, right? The outsider group. But then it starts to spread amongst all of the Israelites. And we see a few things that I think are important. Number one, the voice that we listen to helps shape our attitude. That's a key principle in this passage. They listen to the rabble voice and it starts to shape the way that they see God's blessing in their midst. But the other thing that starts to stand out is that our attitude always spreads. Now, if you've been cooped up in a home with a number of other people that you normally aren't so close to on an everyday basis, you've probably recognized this. Your attitude spreads. If you haven't recognized it, my guess is that people around you probably have. That If we have a bad attitude, it has a way of, of spreading amongst all of the other people in our house. But the opposite is true also. If we see God's blessing and we appreciate God's goodness and we give praise instead of complaining, if we practice contentment rather than craving, and if we offer gratitude rather than comparing, then we, that starts to spread too. Can I encourage you this week to send a letter, make a phone call, uh, do a Zoom chat with somebody. You might be somebody's manna this week. God might use you to be a blessing in the lives of some of the people around you. Spread praise, spread contentment, and spread gratitude because those things are just as contagious as complaining and craving and comparing. See, this text ends in verses 11 through 15. And listen to the way uh, that the narrator concludes this section. It says, And Moses said to the Lord, Why have you dealt ill with your servant? Why are you treating me this way? Why are you putting me through this? And why have I not found favor in your sight that you laid the burden of all of this people on me? Did I conceive this people? Did I give birth that you should say to them, Carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a nursing child to the land that you swore to give to your father, their fathers? Where am I to get meat to give to these people? How am I going to satisfy all of their desires? I am, I, I am not able to carry all of this people alone, and the burden is too heavy for me. See, here's the mistake that Moses starts to make and the mistake that you and I might make too. Verse 14, I can't carry this alone, God. 
I can't get through this liminal season alone. I can't get through this, the, the land between where we've left one place and we are not yet to our new destination. I can't carry that burden alone. And here's what Moses might've missed. And maybe what we've missed too, is that we don't have to carry it alone. We weren't designed to carry it alone. I mean, some of us are trying to carry a burden that Jesus is saying to us, I'll come alongside you. I'll, I'll help you carry that. Cast your burdens on me. Cast your cares on me. I care for you. See, in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse two, it says that the people found grace in the wilderness. And that's the invitation for us too. Will you write this down? In the midst of the wilderness, God's grace is unwavering. It's unwavering. He is good and he's faithful and he is with you in the liminal space, in the land between. He's not only with you, but just like Jesus experienced in the desert, that's a great parallel passage for this. If you wanna do some extra study this week, I'd encourage you, look at Matthew chapter four, because Jesus is in the wilderness also. And he's in this land between, this liminal space between um, his private life uh, as, a, as a son and, and his public ministry. And the way that God prepares him for moving into the next season is, you guessed it, it's in the desert, it's in the wilderness. It's intentional transitional space, liminal space, the land between. And it's in that space that he's tempted. And in that place, the devil comes in and tries to get his attention off of his good father and question his identity. And maybe you remember this. If you don't, look it up after the sermon. Matthew chapter four, verse four, it says this. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus is saying, his word is my manna. His word is my sustenance. In the in-between seasons, on the mountaintops and in the valley low. Friends, this is a God who sustains. This is a God who wants to carry you through. See, the fertile ground or the, the, the wilderness is fertile ground for complaining, certainly, and craving, definitely, and comparing, undoubtedly. But it is also fertile ground to have the faith of our soul forged to be and to become the people of God. And that happens when our eyes are open to receiving the blessings that God's giving us rather than turning them into a burden. That happens when we don't miss the miracle that's in our midst. And there are choices that we have to make in this season that will shape the people that we become in the next one. The wilderness is the soil where God wants to produce the crop that we desperately desire. And so my prayer for you this week is that through the eyes of faith, you wouldn't miss the miracle. Through the eyes of faith, that you would turn what might feel like into a burden and that you would receive it for what it is, God's blessing. Would you receive the benediction today? It comes out of Isaiah chapter 45, verse three, where God says this, I will give you hidden treasures riches stored up in secret places so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. And my invitation is to continue to watch and to engage as our worship team leads us in one last song, that great hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And as you sing along, would you ask God to tune your heart to see his grace that's active in your life in the land between. Love you, I'm grateful for you. Have a great week, God bless. i uh-huh.
mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise teach me a song melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above praise the mountain fixed upon it mount of Some birds.